welcome into the new year, into 2013. It's okay if you say, welcome to Daniel. <laughs> Thank you. Um, <laughs> hey, um, very excited to be here with you guys. Um, we're going to use the first four weeks of January to, to spend looking at Acts 1-8, talking about uh, the power and the pattern that Jesus presented us to make disciples of all nations. And, and I hope that um, as we venture into that today together, that we will be changed forever and, and really united in, in what we see God doing in us and, and among us. And I hope that we can all just be together. That's really my goal. If you say, Daniel, what's your goal um, over the next four weeks in this sermon series is that we will all just be together on what God is calling us to do. On Friday, the staff of the Coffee Oasis, all 30 plus of us, um, shared a half day together at Island Lake just talking about um, who God is making us to be. And we really focused on, on a discipleship culture that God is calling us to be disciples of him, which just means a learner, <laughs> to be people who learn from him and then go out and make disciples of all people, all people, um, not just the people you like, all people. And, and I hope that that will really be flavoring um, what we talk about and, and what we understand as a church, too. So um, if you need a Bible, raise your hand, and Alex will pass that out. If you don't have one at home, you can keep it. Maybe have those around you to sign it and put their favorite verse in it. It's always fun if you're at camp. Um, so I'm going to pray for us to begin, but I'd like also to, to have us pray together, and then I'll, I'll pray um, a, a prayer by a lady named Betty Scott Stam, and she was, a, she was a missionary to China, and her and her husband were, were martyred there, and I found this when I was in college and have held on to it ever since and come back to it frequently. And so just so we come before God together and really just say, God, we want to hear from you. And we, we don't want to just be sent by what Daniel's saying, God. We want to be sent by you. Let's pray this together. I'll read it out loud. And um, I'm not sure if your syncopation and my syncopation will be the same, so I'm just going to go for it. And if you want to read it out loud or quietly, please just agree with me as we read this. Lord, I give up all my own plans and purposes, all my own desires and hopes, and accept thy will for my life. I give myself, my life, my all, utterly to thee, to be thine forever. Fill me and seal me with thy Holy Spirit. Use me as thou wilt. Send me where thou wilt. Work out thy whole will in my life at any cost, now and forever. Oh God, I pray that this will be something that is true when it rolls off our tongue, that we just say, God, use us however you see fit. Oh God, the plans that you are plotting for us, for those who are here that will respond in obedience when Jesus says, come follow me and I'm going to make you 
going to make you fishers of men. God, that when we respond together, we'll be vulnerable with you. We will let you see all the hidden places of our hearts. And we will let you have full residence there, full kingship there, and that we will be transformed as a whole just to, to enjoy you and to worship you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> there are some sermons that when you, when you write, you, you write the whole thing and it's great ideas, and then God just says no. And this was one of them. I wrote the whole thing and, and I realized it was just <laughs> me writing what I wanted to write. And so God kind of redirected me as I went back and studied the text. And I realized that, um, that I think God is calling us to do something that I would not call us to do. Um, I, <laughs> I'm a very competitive person. And so... Um, you know, and, and this was shared at New Year's Eve. Bianca's a competitive person, too, and Bianca <laughs> lost the game to myself and, and proceeded to hate the game because she didn't win at it. And, but I am like that. And oftentimes, we will set the bar just at the place where we can reach it, right? We will set it at a place that we can be and feel quite good about ourselves because... We have achieved our own goal. But if we read the Bible honestly, if we read the book of Acts especially as we're going to be in, we, th- we see things happening in the Bible that require the presence of God. Amen? You see things that will not come about by a church simply making good programs or, or people coming up with really good ideas if you read this book, you see, you see God doing things. And it's very easy for us just to do things that, that really run alongside maybe our own abilities. And I believe that God is calling us to do something as a church that really requires Him. And I just want to be vulnerable with you guys. that This scares me, especially as one of the elders of the church. Because this isn't just something that, that you guys can be like, sweet, Dan, let's go. All right? This is something that we together have to go, God, where are you calling us? What are you calling us to do? Um, and, and together taking on the responsibility. What does it look like to do something that is what God is calling us to do? As I thought about it, these were some things that came to mind. and It was that people in this upcoming year, 2013, will see people with lifelong addictions being freed from those lifelong addictions. People who have diseases being healed from those diseases. People will be convinced of the truth of the gospel and being baptized because they want to declare that Jesus is their Lord and Savior. People being awesome employees because they want to honor God. People who have wrestled with depression experiencing the joy unspeakable that only God can offer. People who never cared about God coming to love God and to know Him. People loving one another in a way that is selfless. People standing boldly for righteous causes. This is amazing, and, and, and I hope you hear these, you're going, yes, we, we want that. We want that in our midst, but, but how, does, how does that happen to a people like us who 
can do good things and have done good things. And and a lot of the world could look at us as a church and what we do is a coffee oasis and say, you guys do great things. And to be people that aren't satisfied with the bar at where it's been set because we can achieve that by ourselves. But being people who are going, God, we want you in your presence. We want to see you act in such mighty ways that, that all, when people come to us and we go, really? Like, I, I couldn't have prayed for that person. They just experienced healing and freedom. Like, that's not something I can do. But, but we serve a living God and people come in and say, I believe in that God. Amen? That's what we want. And, and so as we turn to Acts 1, where we'll be, I just want to explore this with you. Um, and we're going to find two things in particular. We're going to find the power that God is providing for us to do those things. And then, um, and then really the model for, for how we advance into this. So if you're in Acts 1, read with me just verses 1 through 3. And Luke writes, In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen, after his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. So if you let your imagination kind of walk into this, you can see Jesus, who's raised from the dead, they're excited, coming and revealing himself to these people over 40 days, it says. And, and in the scripture, we have 10 times that he comes and spends with them. And get this, it says he spoke to them about the kingdom of God. And, and what I imagine into this, and I think it's probably fairly accurate, is that they are excited because King Jesus has come to lead them in the charge. Right? They're like, sweet, our hero is back. Because we were freaking out for a little while. Right? Like, you told us all these awesome things. We heard your Sermon on the Mount. We heard all these things. And then, uh, you, then you died. And that was, you know, don't do that again, okay? Because that really scared me. But now that you're, sorry, my, I'm sick, so my voice is going crazy. So, but now that you're back, now that you're back, we're ready to take the charge. <laughs> what I imagine them doing, right, is is thinking about crusades and going, you know, we're going to take the flyers into all the towns and then you're going to come speak to the crowds and we're just going to take the world by storm. But think of how their hearts must have sunk when Jesus showed them or told them that, no, I'm leaving again. (laughs) Right? Where would their excitement have gone? No, last time you left, things didn't go too well. (laughs) Right? Thomas started doubting. Judas killed himself. Right? Things went crazy when Jesus left the first time. So what will happen the second time? Keep reading with me in verse 4. He says, On one occasion while he was eating with him, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the time or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And over the next few weeks, today we're going to be talking about our Jerusalem, 
We're going we're gonna to both talk about the power of God and how he's sending us and, and how he is equipping us to go. But we're going to be talking really clearly about how we see God calling us into our Jerusalem, into our Judea, into our Samarias, and to the ends of the earth. So, how in the world will this happen when King Jesus, their champion, their hero, the one they put their hope in, is taking off? What's going to happen? The only solution Jesus provides for this, the only hope he gives them is this, that I'm sending the Holy Spirit to you guys. That is it. He's not like, well, inside of you is this magic feeling. And you're going to feel that. And then you're going to go do awesome things. Right? No. No, because your feelings change every day. He's going, I'm sending you the Holy Spirit and he's going to launch you onto a mission that will change the whole world. So who is this spirit? Let me read Jesus' earlier words in John 14 and 16 to give this context. In John 14, Jesus says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another counselor who will be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all the things and remind you of everything I have said to you. In John 16, he says, Now I'm going to him who sent me, yet none of you ask me, where are you going? Because I have said these things, you are filled with grief, but I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin, because men do not believe in me, in regard to righteousness, because I am going to the Father, where you can see me no longer. In regard to judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. I have much more to say to you, but you cannot bear it now. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. So what will this spirit do? Oftentimes, uh, in our churches today, people are divided over what this spirit does and the way this spirit manifests himself. Very clearly and very plainly in the Bible, it talks about the, the, the focus of the mission of this spirit and the power he will bring. And this is simply it. He will teach us and remind us of the words of Jesus. And he will, it says, convince or convict the world of three things. He will convince them of sin, and get this, sin, why? Because men don't believe in me. He'll, he'll convict them re- regarding righteousness. Why? Because, because Jesus is going to the Father, this one who's embodied righteousness for them. Now the Holy Spirit will come and convict them what righteousness is. And regarding judgment, because of the prince of this world stands condemned. And it says this at the very end, and he will bring me much glory. So wherever... You see people convinced of the words of Jesus. There you have the Holy Spirit at work. And, and I, just, I just want to provide this as a, a real bare-bones framework. Because oftentimes we can be like, well, the Holy Spirit isn't there because people aren't speaking in foreign languages. And, 
Um, and, and we'll talk about that, the gifts which are beautiful and God uses in his church to build up his church. But where you see the Spirit, you will find these things. When people are convinced of the words of Jesus, there you find the Spirit. And wherever you see people celebrating and honoring God, there you find the Holy Spirit at work. Convincing people that God exists, that's not up to you. That's for the Holy Spirit to do. Convincing them that that God, who is righteous, has not left the world without a testimony, but he's equipping us to live righteously within the world to show them that Jesus loves righteousness and convincing the world that the patterns of sin and the domain of the devil is passing away. So, that was the power that he equipped this early church with. You can be like, how did this happen? How did these these simple men rock the world with the message of Jesus? And it was simply this, that the Holy Spirit came among them and convinced the world that God exists. And he convicted the world in such a way that they said, we want to glorify him and honor him in everything we do. And what I want to encourage you with as we move on is that and, I, and if, if it takes you closing your eyes to get this, do that. That this is the same power that God is offering us today as a church to walk in. In Romans 15, he says, For you did not receive a spirit that makes you slaves to fear, but you received a spirit of sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father, we cry, Dad. To God. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. And now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in His suffering in order that we may share in His glory. And 2 Timothy says, God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, of love, and of self discipline. So, this is what's available to us today to move in the same power and experience the same things that this New Testament church did. So, you know, the easy thing would be to go, well, what are we waiting for, right? Well, we're going to look at, at what he used to transform this New Testament church, and, and I'd hope as we walk through this together, you guys will see God is calling us to the same thing. And what's amazing about this is that, that as we as elders have talked in the last couple months, this has been the stuff God's been laying on our heart. And as I, as I started looking at this, I was thinking, wow, God, it's like, it's like the same spirit or something. Right? <laughs> that you, you, are, you are calling us to participate in this same ministry. So as you look into the book of Acts, this is what you find. Uh, <clears throat> sorry, I'm going to blow my nose really quick if that's okay. You might want to cut this. <clears throat> Hopefully that didn't gross anyone out. <clears throat> okay. So God, how, how is God launching us as he launched the New Testament church. And I'm going to walk you through simply 
nine things, and that might sound like a long list, but as you read these things, I hope, thank you so much, I hope that your heart just, just resonates with them. <clears throat> and we as a church go, <clears throat> let's do this together. Let's do this together. The first thing is that the, first, the New Testament church was a church that was expectant in prayer and obedient to truth. Expectant in prayer and obedient to truth. If you look at verse 14 of chapter 1 in Acts, it says, They all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women and the Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. They were expectant in prayer and obedient to truth. What Jesus said to them is, he goes, he goes, wait in Jerusalem. Just wait in Jerusalem. I'll be sending the Holy Spirit. And this is what I think we oftentimes fail to do. We fail to wait upon the Spirit. We fail to be people that are expectant and we're, we're waiting, we're going, God, we long for you. God, come now, come today. But are you people who are willing to be patient and long-suffering that if Jesus doesn't come next five minutes, will you stay on your knees and pray for another hour? Or are you just going to go, okay, well, God, is just sh- he's not showing up today. Right? Well, he, he must not really be calling us to the same ministry as the New Testament church. He must be calling us to something else, right? Well, I just don't like the people that I have to pray with. Or maybe they just pray really long. Or, you know, and we have this long list of things that we talk. But this, this is what shaped the New Testament church is there were people that expected God and they, they sought his face. He says, if you seek me, you will find me if you seek me with all your heart. But I guarantee you that the majority of us only give 25% of our hearts and we expect God just to come and show up with 100% of himself. Crazy. That's weird. That we would go, oh, I'm going to give the God of the universe 15% of my life and then I'm going to expect him to show up in power and do what he did for these people that longed for him to show up. Right? We are way too casual about this. God is calling us to be eager and anticipate him. And to do what it takes to be people who, who as we hunger and thirst for him, when we see him, we will know what he looks like. Because I can guarantee you, there has been times in all of our lives where God's like, I want to move. I want to work here. And we go, and we just miss it. Why? Because the majority of our attention and our affection are pointed somewhere else. And so he's giving us something to grab a hold of and to, to wait for and to long for. And yet, yet we are so distracted. And God's calling us to be a people together that gather together and obey his truth. What you see here is they're praying together and they're searching the scriptures, finding how they can obey them. You immediately see them quoting scripture and go, okay, Judas' place was deserted. Now we're going to pray and he's going to bring someone else because they're searching the scriptures going, how do we obey this? They're not people just going, okay, we showed up on Sunday morning, but like, the sermon wasn't very good, and, and I didn't like the person I was sitting next to, and, and so maybe he'll show up next week. You know, uh, no. God's looking for people who gather expected, being calling one another together towards this one thing, calling us all to be united in this and to seek his face. The, the song, The More I Seek You, is beautiful, and it says, The more I seek you, 
the more I find you, the more I find you, the more I love you. Right? And God is calling a people to seek his face. And those that seek him will find him. And those that find him will find that he is all satisfying. But if you do not seek, you will not find. Plain and simple. And if we are not a church that seeks his face, we will never be a church that is experiencing the wonderful things he is making available to us in the Holy Spirit. The way I see God really transforming us this year and what we've been praying about a lot as elders and, and I know God's really raising up in some of your hearts the same thing is, is we would love to see a church just vibrant in prayer. People that pray for one another. We'd love to see people on Sunday mornings come and just be able to pray for those who need to be prayed for. Right? As you guys come uh, you know, at 5 o'clock tonight and to pray together. Right? We can't expect to be a people that are just Moved because maybe every once in a while Daniel says an inspirational phrase and he maybe puts some coherent things together, right? We need to be a people that are, are way more about just information but about seeking his face. And we will find things that we didn't even think could happen because we are, we are investing in that. The second thing is we see a people who because they have been expectant and because they have been obedient, there are people who have been shaken by God. There are people who have been visibly changed. It is impossible to be a Christian and not be visibly changed by the gospel. I will say that very clearly. It is impossible to be a Christian and not be visibly transformed by the power of the gospel. Yet oftentimes we are so content to be sleeping in our faith. Rather than be people who are eagerly expecting and obedient to the truth, so will be a people that are being changed and are praying, God, may you work change in others also. You see this shaking in in chapter 2, verses 2 through 4, where it says, suddenly... The sound like blowing wind and violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be like tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Are we a a people that are looking to God to be transformed into his image from glory to glory? Or are we a people that are willing to come and just be. Are we looking for God to really shake us at our foundations? Or are we really content to be a sleeping people? Who, who as people come, they're like, well, I, I like them. They dress nice. You know. They have a Christmas trip in January. And I really like Christmas year round. So, um, so I like them. Or, or are we, do we come as a people going, Lord, change us. God, if, if we aren't being changed... What are we here for? God, we, we want that. We're eager. We're anticipating. We're saying, Lord, search me and know me. See if there's any wicked way in me and lead me in your way. What I, I pray for us this year is that as we talked about a lot last year, that we would be a city on a hill. A people that, that the world can look at and realize they are sinners saved by grace. They don't look at us and they go, oh wow, they're, they're really nice. 
But they go, no, those are broken people who have been changed by the power of the gospel. They've been shaken up, and that's why they're going out. They're going out because God has put a, put a burden upon their hearts. So let's be those kind of people. And this is where I think we begin to get shaken. The third thing is, they were a people that shared together in the gifts of the Spirit. And this is a very, very important one. The gifts of the Spirit are many. Um, Part of the power you see presented here is God gives them the ability just to preach with power. Oftentimes, here people really highlight the speaking in tongues, and they did. But I do want to also observe here in verse 4, it says, They spoke in tongues as the Spirit enabled. Not all of them spoke in tongues, right? Some of them did. God used that, right? Some of them didn't. But God still used them, right? How has God gifted us as a church this is something Sarita and I talked a lot about this week, and, and I really expressed to her, and, and I want to emphasize it to you guys, that, that we are an impoverished church unless we are sharing our gifts with one another. And so what I see together as a church us doing this year and us really investing in is us praying and seeking God, how have you gifted us? How, how are you gifting me, and how am I sharing that? God does not transform you to be better at reading books at home. And I like reading books at home. Right? I know God is transforming me to better love you and encourage you and spur you on to love and good deeds. And God has gifted me in specific ways to do that for you. But God has gifted you in specific ways to do that for me and all of us. Does that make sense? And if you are holding back on the way God has gifted you and not sharing it with the church, this church is impoverished because you are not sharing it. If you are just showing up going, good sermon, that doesn't encourage me. What encourages me is if you are being transformed in the image of Christ and learning to share that with people because God is changing you to help participate in the change of other people because we are being transformed into his likeness and God has gifted each of you. Don't lie to yourself and think he hasn't gifted you. God has gifted you in a special way that this church is lacking in unless you share that with everyone else. Does that make sense? Amen? Okay. We want to seek how we do this as a church. We'll be wrestling against ourselves And you'll be wrestling with yourself unless you start realizing God has given me special gifts and is wanting to free me to use those for the building up of his body and for calling many people to see how good God is. And so I see this next year, us experiencing a lot more of that together. I hope hope it's you guys. You guys could be gifted in a lot of things. Maybe some of you can speak in tongues. That's great. Maybe some of you guys are just awesome at hospitality. Maybe some of you are teachers and we never knew that. Some of you guys are just awesome at serving. Or there's a, a million ways, right, that God is gifting you. But how, how is he gifting you to participate and not hold out? And that's what you see here. You see these people who have waited for him, him shaking them, and them going out and shaking the world. 
The fourth thing is, you see a conquering of fear, powerlessness, and unbelief. When the Holy Spirit shows up, you see a conquering of fear, powerlessness, and unbelief. Right? These people were not heroes of old. Right? These were fishermen. These were fearing men. These were fleeing men. These were men and women who, when they saw Jesus crucified, they ran away. But what you see in what the Holy Spirit does in their life is, is he is freeing them from those fears that they have lived within to live fearlessly. You see a denying Peter turning into a bold pastor. You see a doubting Thomas participating in the mission of God. And this is because they're beginning to see themselves in Christ. Get this, they're beginning to see themselves in Christ. They're not merely seeing themselves through their own eyes, right? Because if you look at yourself, you will see plenty of reasons why you can't. But if you see yourself through the eyes of Jesus, who says, all authority, all of it, and that's everything, on heaven and earth has been given to me, so go. Right? And if you're looking at yourself through his eyes, who is saving you, loving you, freeing you, you will go. And so, what does this look like for our church this year? What I really see this looking like for our church is is really um, people being freed to enjoy their identity in Christ. Right? People being freed from what they see as their own limitations. Freed from fear. Well, I can't do it. Or free, free, uh, freedom from unbelief. Well, I'm waffling. I'm in this place of, well, I, I, like, like, I know Jesus is real and I like God, but... Uh, right? Freedom from, from that place to a confident worship. And that's... That's what God is moving us in. The fifth thing that he is calling us to in the Holy Spirit is a multicultural gathering. And this is a huge one that God's been laying on our hearts. If you look at chapter 2, verses 5 through 13, it says, Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard them speaking in his own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, Are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of them hears in their own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, etc. And then if you look at verse 39... It includes this. It says, The promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord has caused. For all people. And this stretched the early church more than it will ever stretch us, though it will stretch us. And the way this stretched the early church is you can hear it in even what the disciples asked early on. Lord, when will you restore the kingdom of Israel? A lot of their minds were still thinking Israel, 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 just the Jews. And Jesus is like, no, I mean it. I'm equipping you to go to all people. All people. And we, just as much as the early church, maybe even less, maybe more, I don't know, have hidden biases that keep us from being a church that looks like the heavenly kingdom of God, which is that people from every tribe and every tongue and all people feel like they can worship God here, right? 
And, and we long, I long for the day. We are not a healthy church until we can worship in a way that everyone feels like they can worship, right? And, and you guys, some of your giftings are different than my giftings, and they don't look like my giftings, right? Because maybe you grew up in a different culture, and God loves your culture. So to come here, you don't have to look like me. Praise God. And, and we, want, we want people to be freed to be able to go, to be blessed here in that, and then to be able to go into the whole world and experience that by saying, oh, you're a punk rocker? Jesus loves you and is calling you. He's not saying, shave your mohawk. There's nowhere in Scripture it says shave your mohawk. But it says, come follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Right? So, so we have to overcome our hidden biases to be a church because the Holy Spirit wants to move us past that. He doesn't want you just to go out and talk to people that look like you and sound like you. He wants us all to come together and be able to share Him together because that is what heaven is going to look like. People from every tribe, tongue, and nation. And so our heart for this year is that we will be a people that, that, that are like this. All people gathering to worship him, and I need you guys for this, right? Your elders are three white guys, right? And we can't help that. <laughs> so, so we need you to, I, I'm gifted in this way. I want to share this with the church, and I'm going to go, amen. I don't even know how you do that. And, and, and we want to see that because God is equipping you and gifting you to share that with the people so all people know that they can worship God. Amen? All people. So, so let's pray that we can overcome our biases this year and see God stretching us and moving us beyond ourselves and beyond the limitations we hold within ourselves to really share Him together. The sixth thing is that they, when the Holy Spirit shows up, the gospel is preached. In verses 136... He says, therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. And when the Holy Spirit shows up, the gospel is preached. And I hope that the gospel has been faithfully preached in this church. But what I see us doing in this upcoming year is that more will be equipped to preach the gospel. Right? I want, I want more people here who are, are coming to understand that they are gifted in teaching. And they know how to speak boldly in the name of Jesus. Um, and that we as a church continue, but in an increasing way, celebrate the truth when it is spoken. So whenever the truth is spoken, we go, amen. I'm a part of it. I love that. I love that. So I, I hope that after this year, we have more elders. Right? I hope that we have more men and women who are stepping up to be leaders in this church and be faithful carriers of the gospel. Because we need people who will be faithful carriers of that gospel. Number seven. When the Holy Spirit shows up, you will see repentance and baptism. In verse 38 it says, Peter replied, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of our sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. In verse 41 it says, those who accepted this message were, message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. 
my prayer this year, and, and Kurt wrote this to me in an email, and, I, and we've shared this sentiment, I pray that this year we will see more baptisms than we've ever seen before, combined. Why? Because we're people seeking the Holy Spirit, and we're saying, we're saying I realize I have hindrances, God. Change me, shake us, move us beyond that. <laughs> so we see the glory of your gospel, and we're bold, emboldened to share it. And and I, I confess, like, we believe in baptism as a church, but we haven't emphasized it enough. Because what baptism is, it's a, it's a public testimony that I am his. And there's power to that. I am, I am Jesus's. I want the world to know that. And, and I hope if some of you haven't been baptized, you will be baptized this year. It doesn't save you again. It just affirms in you and to the world, I am his. And so we, we hope that there will be a repentance of sin and there will be baptisms this year because we are a people who are moved by the Holy Spirit beyond ourselves and our own limitations. Number eight, they were devoted to fellowship. And this means that they were devoted to learning together. They were called to be disciples together. And this was not perfect. You see throughout the whole book of Acts, there is tension and they are working through things together. You can't look at the book of Acts and be like, well, they were just awesome, and we're just not that awesome. Um, immediately, verse 6, right? And we talk about multicultural gathering. The Greeks are getting forgotten, because they're just serving the Jews. And so what do they have to do? They have to go back and go, no, we're not doing it right. We have to learn how to do that together. But what I want you to see is devoted. They were devoted together. To fellowship. That doesn't mean that they went to a community group and they were like, oh, I was devoted until I saw that this wasn't perfect. And then, no, devoted to fellowship means, man, I believe that just as I see God working through my rough edges, he's working through their rough edges, but he's working through our rough edges together. And he's calling us to be a people who are working through this together imperfectly, right? Disciple, when you talk through this on Friday, disciple simply means learner. You know what that means? You'll never be perfect at it. Right? It's like a doctor. They practice all the time, right? On you. Right? <laughs> that we are disciples who are making disciples, who are making disciples. We are not perfectors who are making perfectors, who are making... Praise God, we're not. Right? We are disciples, we are learners of him, who are passing on to people who will be learners of him, who will be learners of him. But we must be devoted to this. We must be devoted in such a way that, that we can build that bond of unity together. So where the Holy Spirit is, there is a gathering of people who are faithful to one another, to support one another in their time of need, but to remind one another also of the gospel. As it says here, the apostles teaching, breaking of bread into prayer. And the last thing is it was a growing church. At the very end you see, praising God, oh, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people, the Lord added to their number every day. And this isn't something I'm looking to make like a numerical number about, and I'm just saying, we're looking for the Holy Spirit to add people who are worshipers of Him. We are looking not to add people who fill seats. We are looking for people to be disciples, who are making disciples, who are making disciples. God does not save people to simply become pew sitters or chair sitters. Right? God's saying, 
I'm saving you guys to be part of this family. Right? And this family, you're going to love one another. And you're going you're gonna to share your best gifts with one another. And you're going to invest in one another. And this is going to be done imperfectly. And you're going to have to constantly be coming back to me and going, Lord, look at, my, look at what I broke today. <laughs> and going, I love you. Let's, let's heal us. Let's fix this together. But I, I beg you as a church that we do this together, united together as one body. And that this year we will see this together as we, as we begin with expectant prayer and obedient, uh, obedience to his truth. And I believe with my whole heart that, that we will see the presence of God this year in a very special way. And I look forward to sharing that with you guys as God is equipping me to better use my gifts to share with you And as God is equipping you to use your gifts to share with the church and call many people to see how good our God is. So may his kingdom come. Amen. Let's pray. Oh God... pray that we just wait upon you and anticipate you. God, we'll receive this both as a joy and as a challenge. God, as I preach, I know within my very own heart there are things that would hinder this body from moving forward. And I just say, God, see us and see me. And God, send your spirit to shake us up, I pray that we might know how to encourage one another, that we might know how to best participate in the life of one another and go out into the whole world, and especially this community, and show the goodness of the Lord. God, we love you, and I pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.